Welcome to This Week in Points in Travel. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how the battle over the debt ceiling will impact travel, a growing trend, national parks no longer accepting cash, and a change in the U.S. vaccination policy for international travelers. Those stories and more on This Week in Points in Travel. Stay tuned. What is good, fam, and a very happy single day mile to everyone out there. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. This is now our third episode of This Week in Points and Travel podcast, and I must say, I've been having a good time with this. I've been enjoying it a lot. It keeps me regular. It keeps me fresh. You know, it's good times all around. But before I start, I want to get something off my chest. I want to go on a rant, and that rant is about clear. So last week, I was returning home from LAX. Anyone who flies out of that airport knows what kind of hellscape LAX can be. But yeah, um, I was getting ready to uh, go to the TSA um, line and I saw the most peculiar thing. The clear line, it had about 15 to 20 people all at the clear kiosk. And you know what the clear kiosk is. You know, you basically scan your eyes, scan your fingerprint, all that good stuff. But yeah, while people are there, the TSA pre-check line is empty. So obviously, I walked through the TSA pre-check line without any delay. So for context, I was dropped off at the airport at 10 a.m. And I was passing the security. I looked at my watch. It was 10.05. That's how fast it was. But the amazing part is that I passed all of these people with clear. I know in the points of my community how people rave about clear and the clear credit. But in this instance, I wasn't really sold on it. I came to think that, you know, if it makes sense to go to the TSA pre-check line when clear is full, you go to the TSA pre-check line. You know, now in fairness, I do have my gripes with clear. I've had some uh, identity theft issues that I'm trying to work out and it's not allowing me to go to clear because clear uses some third-party uh, public data service. Neither here nor there, but I have my gripes with them. You know, anyways, it's, it's, I just, I just, I just found it very peculiar. Now, actually a few days ago, I was listening to uh, the live stream from Chad on uh, Chad's Money Minutes. Great dude, you know, should definitely check him out on YouTube uh, if you um, are into points and miles. I'm sure you have. Um, if you're listening to me, there's a good chance you know who Chad is. Um, but yeah, anyways, I digress. I, I brought it up that, you know, clear might not actually be worth it. And he gave a pretty good retort. Basically, the thing is, nine times out of ten, with everything being equal, clear lines are going to move faster than someone who only has pre-check, which is fair. But either way, sometimes people just go to clear because they have clear and I just don't see the reason of that. But, you know, that is the end of my rant. You know, maybe Clear is overhyped. That's just me. <laughs> um, uh, but with that said, let's get into our first story. This first story is about the government of the good old U.S. of A. Yes, the the dysfunctional bunch that somehow continues to represent us all. I am obviously joking, well, for the most part. But yes, there is a battle going on right now, and that battle is over the debt ceiling, which might, in fact, have ramifications uh, for people who are trying to travel. So this story comes to us courtesy of the points guy. 
Now, to start off, for those who do not know, the debt ceiling is what dictates how much money the uh, U.S. can use to pay its bills that it already owes. That means money that's already spent. Not new money, but the debt ceiling is somehow an erroneous uh, ceiling that Congress places on itself to cover outstanding bills. Well, the Department of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on May 1st that if Congress does not raise or suspend the debt ceiling, the Treasury will be unable to meet the government's obligations as early as June 1st. That is less than one month away. So you might be asking yourself, JP, I didn't come here for a financial lecture. You said it had an effect on travel. So what's that effect? Well, I'll answer that question for you now. Because the government won't be able to pay for, well, the government, things like new passports, passport renewals, TSA pre-check, and global entry memberships might all be impacted. This would also include vacation destinations, for example, like going to national parks, as they are run by the government too. In the case of TSA pre-check and global entry, they are operated by the Customs and Border Protection, which is under the Department of Homeland Security. So all this drama in Washington might disrupt the ability for these applications to be processed. And I mean, even without this, global entry applications is about three to four months. For an interview. So this adds onto a problem that might impact many travelers um, as well as people who um, just got a new credit card and they want to get global entry to, for that trip in about four or five months. It is not the best timing if you ask me. So passports on the other hand have been taking about 10 to 13 weeks to process. And this is up from a normal six to nine weeks. And so for those who are getting a renewal, I would say you should probably try to get that sooner rather than later because we don't know what will happen uh, given the what's going on in Congress right now. So there's a cog in the machine and it's not looking good pretty much for any of us. So on top of that, a disruption might lead to a shortage of uh, TSA agents as well as air traffic controllers, which might further lead to flights being canceled, uh, delays, stuff like that, as well as longer lines um, because TSA will be short-staffed. So you can think of it as a double whammy. You don't have pre-check and on top of that, there are longer lines at the airport. Finally, you know, to top all of that off, if you're not annoyed already, people who are trying to go to national parks or museums like the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., there's a chance that they might be closed, given that there's an employee shortage and that the government cannot fund um, these uh, museums and these national parks. So at the end of the day, this all hopefully won't happen. Hopefully this is not something we have to worry about. Hopefully Congress gets its, gets its stuff together. And uh, we'll move happily on. But, you know, I just want to raise the alert that you might want to, you know, check on your passports, make sure that they're renewed, get the TSA free check or global entry as fast as you can. And if you plan on going to any national parks or museums that are run by the government, you might want to, you know, pay attention to the news um, and kind of like line your travel up with what's happening there. So speaking of national parks, there is a growing trend when it comes to national parks, actually. So in short, many are no longer accepting cash payments. And you know what that means. It's time to bring out your credit card before you become one with nature. So this story is coming from Travel and Leisure, and they talk about how the cashless trend is growing across the United States from coast to coast. This is including parks like the Rocky Mountain National Park and the Death Valley National Park. Both parks are planning on going cashless uh, at, actually at the beginning of this summer. So here's actually a funny stat uh, when it comes to that. This is coming from the Death Valley National Park. 
And this move, this going cashless move, is expected to save them upwards of $40,000 a year. So if you, like myself, you might be wondering, how in the hell is this possible? Well, have you heard of Brinks? You know, the big armored vehicles that move money from point A to point B? Well, national parks have to pay for this service as well as the cost of the paperwork and counting all that sweet, sweet earned cash from those different tourists. So all of this makes sense. You know, you have to pay all this money for these services. Therefore, going cashless will remove that cost. So if you ask me, this is a win for people who like using credit cards and like racking up credit card points. So I'm not 100% sure, but I do believe that national parks code as travel. So it would make sense that, you know, using a car anyway, because you get the extra value from the multipliers on travel from cards like the Amex Green, the Chase Sapphire, and the City Premier. I do understand those who swear away credit cards. Well, not really, I don't. But still, some people, you know, want to use cash and are preferred to use cash. So to them, I say, please just join the community and optimize your spend. You know, use credit cards and earn those perks. It, it won't hurt. But yeah, you know, moving to a cashless society is a win for credit cards. And that's what uh, national parks seem to be doing. So if you're going to a national park, um, at least one that's on the list, which I'll link down below, please be aware that they might not accept your paper money. I am now going to move into a segment I am calling Rapid Fire. In Rapid Fire, I take a short glance at a few stories that passed by this week. So first up, JetBlue is adding non-alcoholic beers to their in-flight menu. Now, as a person who does not currently drink alcohol, but loves the taste of a good IPA, this is a win for me. They're actually partnering up or having available beers from Athletic Brewing which is a company that specializes in non-alcoholic beers, uh, particularly ones I like, their non-alcoholic IPA. So yes, you will now have these on JetBlue flights. I think this is a great development. More and more people are opting not to drink alcohol. So having this option for those who still like to taste, like myself, is a, a pretty great option. You know, if you go on a JetBlue flight and you're up 30,000 miles in the sky, please let me know about your experience. Was the beer as good as it is on the ground? Hopefully it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, but for me, I have the JetBlue Plus card, so that'll knock the price down by 50% anyways. So not a big deal on my end. Next up, we'll be talking about Air France and KLM having a 25% increase at points bonus uh, from both Amex and Chase. This is great news if you're trying to get a few extra points to fly Air France or KLM. It is sad for me because I was actually thinking about flying those, but sometime next year, and I'm not 100% set in stone, so I will not be pulling the trigger on this personally. But still, you know, I think is a great thing. Uh, I've heard great things about Flying Blue, or it's a great program, and the 25% bonus is a sweet deal if you ask me. This deal actually ends on June 15th for those who are interested, so you know. Be on the lookout and uh, go nab those points. 
So finally in this rapid fire segment, American Airlines is getting into the hotel business. You didn't know that, did you? They get into the hotel business. So this story comes via the points guy. So yes, I want to say welcome to the six. This is not Toronto. Sorry, Drizzy. This is Texas. So yes, Skyview 6, which is a six-story glass building near DFW Airport in Dallas, Texas, is a 600-room facility. Now, I really feel like they're going on number six a lot, but it is what it is. So not really much to say about this one. It's a pretty fancy hotel with all the amenities you can want. But the sad part is this airport is closed to the public. Yes, this is only for pilots, flight attendants, and other American Airlines crew members. So unfortunately, you and me will never be able to get in. That is unless you are an American Airlines employee. So if you are, please let me know about your experience. I am dying to know how it works out uh, for you guys. But yeah, that is a rapid fire segment. Finally, our last story of the day, the U.S. government is changing its long-held stance on inbound travel restrictions. Yes, as of May 11th, travelers from abroad, that is not U.S. citizens, will not be required to show proof of vaccinations when they enter the country. Now, I am sure this will divide many people, but I, for one, think this is a long time coming. Pandemic era restrictions on travelers from the U.S., going anywhere abroad, you know, at least as far as I've seen, um, are pretty lax. So it only makes sense uh, for United States to start dropping their restrictions too. And America is definitely trying to increase its tourism. So this is a welcome move, um, I believe, on their part. Within the pandemic and the majority of people already being vaccinated, I see this as a change that was pretty much inevitable. With that being said, I will say that vaccinations are still an important tool to keep everyone safe. As a scientist, I have to say that in, you know, only in good conscience. Hopefully, I didn't lose any subscribers uh, from that hot take. But yes, the pandemic restrictions are over and the U.S. is open to anyone who wants to come through. Just remember to bring your passport. So that is it for me here, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a like or a review. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please show the like button some love. Don't hit it. Just click it. If you are new here and want more from me, click that subscribe button. If you found this helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next Friday. Until then, peace. Peace.